Welcome back, Dodecadorks. We're the 12-sided guys. We have Matt as Pine. Hi. Scott as Roos. That's me. Sabrina as Nari. Hey there. Jordan as Richter. Good evening. And me, Paul, as Pender the Poet. And now, a sonnet. We're glad you've stuck around for all this time to listen to our D&D podcast. If you become a patron, we can dine upon a pizza, chips, and other snacks. For those of you that listened to our call and told the world that we deserve top marks, a thanks to you from us here, one and all. The rest of you, please go and click five stars. There is a place where people go and meet. It's called Discord, and we want you there too. We chat about the podcast's mysteries, NVIDIA, life, and other things we do. Our shop now has some dodecadork drip. And don't forget, Paul sometimes streams on Twitch. That was me snapping. <laughs> oh, we're also a snap. And now, a very special guest, a renowned poet that has traveled the world, here to share one last poem with you tonight. Please welcome Tamrid Pine Sr., Lieutenant General, retired. That's not Tedward. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> Tamrid. Tamrid Pine Sr. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> We've been to see Tedward. Thank you, thank you. If you ever, as the merchant Taloon, went to Endor, but not the Ewok's moon, to earn gold by the bundle, to finance a tunnel, then my friends, this podcast's for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 87. Thank you. Thank you. Now I have another one. Wait, why are you pulling me off the stairway? I have one about the man from Nantucket. (laughs) (laughs) And scene. (laughs) And scene. Yes. Watchman Antia slowly stands up from a crouch, her gaze still upon the dead body at her feet. The cut and bloodied man had either been unarmed or else his weapon had been taken by his attackers. Although, Antia thinks to herself, with arms as big as his, fists may have been his weapon of choice. She scans the bricks of the courtyard, her eyes coming to rest on another body, partially obscured in an alleyway between two expensive homes. And behind her, two more lay lifeless on the stained bricks outside of Dracia Opera House. What a mess. Things in the city are getting out of hand, she thinks to herself as she leaves the muscle-bound corpse where it lay. She walks over to her sergeant, a round-faced man with bloodshot eyes and a red nose and cheeks. Sergeant Garibald, usually in his cups at this time of day, appears surprisingly sober. Maybe it's the blatant violence done here or the speed at which it occurred according to reports from witnesses, but Sergeant Garibald is showing more professionalism than normal. He finishes calling out an order to one watchman before turning to acknowledge Antia. Report, watchman Antia, he barks. Antia steadies herself. There was something unnerving about the way Garibald was looking at her. Maybe I'm just not used to seeing him so... not drunk, she thinks to herself. Aloud, she responds, Four dead, multiple stab wounds, witnesses say an older man in a blue coat was initially accosted by the four dead men, before a second old man in a blue coat came out of nowhere and took them down almost single-handedly. She pulls out a small slate on which she had written some notes. Witnesses report the first older man was not alone and rode upon some multicolored beast which sounded like an aleton. The two old men then quickly left the scene with two other people, a man and a woman, but descriptions were vague. 
and we lost their trail a few blocks down, she finishes, pointing down the narrow alley past the corpses. She glances at her slate again. Nothing more to report, sir. Sergeant Garibald pinches the bridge of his nose and closes his eyes. Lords and ladies, has it come to this, he says to himself. He then turns and looks at Altia in the eyes. Get this mess cleaned up, he orders, and get those bodies over to Gadaver's shrine. Maybe these corpses can tell the priests more than the last ones did. Altia salutes and waits for Garibald to break eye contact and turn on his heel, striding away out of the courtyard. I think I like him better when he's drunk, another watchman mutters as they walk by Altia, who nods slightly in agreement. A few minutes later, out of sight of the courtyard, opera house and assembled watchmen, Sergeant Garibald leans against a wall, a small red crystal in his hand. Quietly, almost to himself, he speaks as the crystal begins to glow faintly. It's Garibald. Things are out of hand. I can't keep a lid on this anymore. I apologize, but I think it's time for harsher methods. Garibald stands there, waiting for what seems like an eternity for a response to come. He knows there will be disappointment and, most likely, punishment. The light within the crystal thrums the life again, and a deep voice is heard in Garibald's head, calm and composed. Garibald, you failed to track the old man, and now there are two. Garibald gives a start, realizing his employer knows more about the situation than had been divulged. The voice continues. You're done. My mystics will find them before they multiply again. Garibald lets out the breath that he didn't realize he had been holding in and wipes his forehead with the back of his hand. As he collects himself and walks back out into the street, one thought occupies his mind. Does he dare run, or should he throw himself upon the mercy of the headsman? Man, Almar has had a real, like, old man in blue coat gang problem recently. (laughs) (laughs) Just old man in blue coat on old man in blue coat violence. They're multiplying. It just sounds like Olivia Beckett was uh, investigating, and she's like, the serious crimes are investigated by... (laughs) Is that SVU? Is that who that is? Yeah. Yeah. Mariska Hargitay? (laughs) <laughs> the only reason why i remember her name is from that stupid movie the love guru <laughs> oh gosh well welcome back to um the city of almar we have uh nari and the boys have had quite the adventure so far on their first day in the city i mean first off they went and um, got an inn they had a bath they um, ran into an old friend richter they killed some people in the street and then richter and people in the street <laughs> Richter and Pine got to re- <laughs> Richter and Pine got to reconnect a little bit. That was a that was a very interesting exchange that they shared. Um, afterwards, uh, they decided that they were all going to go to the Dracia Opera House that evening for the main reason to see Tedward. But as Richter explained. Um, he was fairly certain that the headsman, the um, the leader of this mafia group that was uh, secretly running the city of Almar, was believed to be a huge Tedward fan and very well may be there. Who isn't, though? The headsman, who had not been seen in months, um, was hopefully going to be there. And it was also revealed that the headsman's name is Bartos. Did you guys figure out who he was again? Did we get that information? He was a former adjudicator. Yes, he was. Not just a former, the longest um, employed adjudicator. He was an old adjudicator. Who also loved Tedward. Who also loves Tedward. Who doesn't love Tedward? Um, I anyway. mean, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, as, uh, as the party then um, left 
Richter's home and ventured out looking for the building with the purple roofs, the kind of odd building that was kind of uh, made out of round kind of squat towers that are connected by buildings um, that are, is in the old quarter in the north part of the city. Um, as they arrived, they realized that it was actually the temple to Lord Baltha and Lady Jaffa, the quote, Lord and Lady of Luck, um, a fantasy casino, if you will. And Roos went into the small shrine dedicated to Jaffa, a place where most people will go and uh, toss a coin to the Jaffa, oh, lady of luck, luck, oh, lady of, oh, sorry, <laughs> terrible. Keep it in, keep it I'm in. I'm really keep sorry, guys. That was Keep it in. <laughs> anyway. Um, they will they'll toss a coin and hope that maybe her eye will be turned away from them while they spend time in the rest of the temple gambling and trying to win the big bucks. Um, as Roos was standing there, a glamour first spoke to him, but he quickly saw through that, uh, laughing. And then he was able to have a conversation with Lady Jaffa, who, in exchange for information, was willing to answer his questions for a price. And... Um, that price uh, might be pretty hefty. And Roos was able to get some answers to his questions about Lady Jaffa, about inevitability, and I think maybe gain some new questions as well. And that is where we left off last time with Pine sitting at the ATM machine trying to figure out how video poker works. (laughs) I thought he was mostly naked, but nobody else was playing strip poker at the table. That was a gag. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here we are at the temple of Lady Jaffa and more importantly, Lord Balfa, the fantasy casino. Roos has just finished his meeting with the statue face of Lady Jaffa, um, which has turned back into stone. And as he leaves, he finds himself in the temple of uh, Lord Balfa, where everybody else, I guess, is doing some gambling, potentially? Hey, Nari. Did you ever notice that whenever we get to a new city, we always immediately make arrangements at a hotel and then find another place to stay? Like every time. You know, you want to have options. You got to keep those kinds of things open. I've noticed. Um, so where you guys are at right now, you guys are in kind of the main area as as Roos comes out. Uh, the main area, like the entry hall of this of this temple, there is a, another little statue um, that, that kind of depicts an impish form of Lord Baltha. Um, there's a couple of tables here with card games and dice games. There's a bar as well. But the unique thing about the bar, there's no stools around the bar um, because the idea is they don't want you sitting here. They want you taking your drink to a table and then spending your money. Um, there is a door heading north uh, that goes into another part of the temple further in where there's more games and a door to the west, which as you look in, you can see it is some kind of a money exchange place or a vault of some kind where the priests of Lord Baltha and Lady Jaffa, but let's be honest, they all ignore Lady Jaffa, um, where they keep their uh, their win- their earnings and their, their money. Well, I think let's find the roulette table. I'm sure if Ebby were here, he'd want us to put all the gold he had on black. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm more of a a blackjack person myself. Mm. Well, it sounds like this Deborah had a gambling problem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, you're here. (laughs) (laughs) To be to be completely honest, I I'm not much one for 
organized gambling. I feel like the house has way too much power here. Give me a give me a kitchen table at a friend's house with cigars and ale and good conversation. I agree, but there are free drinks here. Well, I want to keep my head. I'm going to see Tedward later. Oh, sure, I forgot <laughs> about that. Oh my goodness. So maybe one drink and then we can keep moving. I mean, I've already had a drink. I had a I had a mojito at the baths. <laughs> That's been like two hours. Yeah, you've killed people since then. (laughs) I had a Negroni with Prosecco. Oh. (laughs) I guess one drink, but I really, honestly, I don't want to get sucked into one of these games of chance. Well, I've got 83 gold I'd like to throw on something. Cruz, you're back. Yes, I'm here. Did you find what you were looking for? I have more questions than answers, but I think that's think that's normal. Maybe we'll talk about it tonight. Okay, as long as you're not talking over Tedward. No, 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 no. I I wouldn't dare talk over Tedward. I did come into possession of about eighty three gold. I'd like to put on black. Okay, that's so specific. You find the roulette wheel. I took I took it from the offering cup to <laughs> Jaffa. That's right. I'm like, why do you keep saying eight? That's right. You you took all of Lady Jaffa's gold. Which, to be fair, so real quick uh, behind the scenes, I had written out some things that she might talk to you about or that you might ask her. And I thought one of the things that might be funny is if you actually tried to give her some money. Her response would be something about, um, Yo, what do I look like? A poor hoe? I don't need your money. That's what you had written down. <laughs> wow, jeez. <laughs> I don't care about fiat currency. I'm all about NFTs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, she's got her apes. Um, no, what she um, what she actually would have said was, what need have I for this? This all goes to Balfa. None here truly worship me. Well, maybe one now. But that didn't happen. So you want to put everything on black. So here's what I'm going to have you do. So red will be odd. Black will be even. I'm not sure how roulette works. If you get black, does it double? Is that how it works? And if you get red, you lose it all? Yeah. So if you, if you put it on black, you win. Sorry. There's black and red. There's also individual numbers you can put it on. But also there is also a double zero, which is the house wins it all. I'm I'm just going on black. There's a there's a there's a priest standing there. He's like wearing like a robe. He's even got like a like a little medallion of this golden imp. And he's like, welcome to the temple of Balfa. You got to put it all on black. Hey, put it all on black. This guy wants to put it all on black. Let's spin that wheel. Um, and he will spin. I want you to roll a, any die. And if it is black, if, it, if it's even, it's black. It's odd. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution to the Temple of Lower Balfa. And he scoops it all in, puts it in a little chest next to him. <laughs> you want to play again? Double or nothing. <laughs> Roos laughs to the group and says, it would be funnier if you heard the conversation that I had earlier. And then, <laughs> and then leaves the table. <laughs> and that, my friends, is gambling in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> let's go that's also gambling in real life it's just that fast and <laughs> done all right yeah, okay well, mm-hmm. right. it's also equally as unexciting like i i went to vegas a few years ago man it was boring it, it really is 
No, no, no. It's so exciting because it goes. That's my impression of a casino floor. <laughs> yeah. And then and then you look and it's like, and I'm out of money. OK, well, that was it. That's fun. All right. Well, as you guys leave the temple of Lord Baltha, um, the priests kind of bow to you as you leave and they say, please come back and worship here again. And then you hear like all like the, the people like the the haulers and stuff out in the back saying, hey, we got a big we got a big spinner here. And then, you know, like the craps table is going crazy. New roller, new roller. Um, OK, where are you guys going to go as you venture back out into the city of Almar? I think we were headed to the gallery before we go to see Tedward. Mm hmm. And as as we're traveling, Roos will appraise uh, his companions of his conversation with Jaffa. Oh, yeah. By the by the way, um, Richter, we regularly have conversations with lords and ladies. We're just kind of cool like that. Are you sure that you're not just talking to yourself or? Um... No, I was having a stroke in your house yes, uh, earlier, but this was not a stroke. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, OK. Well, I guess as long as we're clear on that. We we met the Lord of Swords. We were there when he died. Pine says that is kind of a brag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, straight up, straight up bragging. Roos will also add and say, but he's not entirely dead. I believe he's coming back. Interesting. Richter kind of like he's his eyes are just straight ahead. And then he kind of smiles and he's like, <laughs> Timber, I always knew you had a bit of a sense of humor. Oh, I, I'm a, I'm hilarious. But here I'm deadly serious. <laughs> next time I'll be deadly serious next time <laughs> <laughs> I know what that's from I just figured it out oh golly the brain what a great move you guys venture out into the city. You're actually quite close to the gallery. Um, basically, um, last time we talked about kind of where the Baltha and Jaffa's temple is and how it's kind of very, very close to this street called the Pious Path. The Pious Path winds its way past these um, these other temples to um, other deities, including Lord Radriel. I think last time I described it as just a large obelisk um, sticking straight up into the air. Um, and um, as you wind nice your way erect. past... <laughs> nice erect obelisk, yes. With um, a slight wind... bend to it. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of them are bent. But it's totally normal if they are, guys. If they are bent, it's super normal. <laughs> yeah, obelisks can be any shape. I mean, I've been told that it's it's how you erect it and how you, you know, how you use it. I, I cannot wait to listen to this part of this episode with my 11-year-old son. <laughs> Well, he should know that yes. no matter what happens, it's all normal. <laughs> yep. mm -hmm. <laughs> As you wind your way along the pious path here in the old quarter, um, you do see that there are some older homes here. Um, some of them are quite big. The yards are um, larger than in the rest of the town. And in fact, if you recall, where you guys first were, you were in a place called the South Press, which is where um, the houses are built really close to each other. Lots of common walls and kind of built up over the top of each other. The old quarter is, it's like when you go to a city and you are in the old part of town where like the Victorian houses are or the old Queen Anne houses. That's kind of what this is like. This is like Portland, West Hills kind of thing. Okay, because the old houses in uh, where we're at here in Utah are like short, squat, and brick. Yeah, um, this is more like nicer. 
Yeah, this wasn't built by people and their 14 kids. As you as you venture past these houses, I was going to say something about seven wives, too. But anyway, <laughs> um, the city of Almar has a lot of suburb around it. There's these little villages that kind of uh, around the city that have all kind of like grown to the point where they've blended together. But here inside the city wall, the gallery would be the northernmost point of the city. And it is this it's almost like an old temple. OK, it's it's kind of looks a little Parthenon-esque. OK, so it's a big square building. Um, there are um, it's got white made out of white stone and marble. There are entrances on the east side and the west side, these big archways that lead into the building. Then the building itself is really just kind of uh, a rectangle. But the inside, it's like almost like there's just a thick uh, hallway that goes around the perimeter. And then on the very center of the building, it is open to the sky. Um, and so as you approach this building, you can see outside, there are people kind of sitting on benches and strumming on lutes or harps. There's other people that are painting pictures because at this point, you're also right by the bay. You can look out um, from the gallery, look north, and you can see this bay, the Almar, Almar Bay. Can we see where the watermelons grow? Because we're down by the bay. Oh, oh, man. You need to go back to your home. <laughs> I love Raffi. <laughs> I love me some Raffi. Anywho. OK, so you can also as you're looking out over the water, um, you realize the gallery is kind of up on a cliff up above, um, up above the bay. So it's um, it's a ways down to the water. But you can look out and you can see the tower out in the middle of the water with the large statue of Iramil. Uh, sitting atop it, gazing at the city. Um, but the gallery itself has people outside painting. You see them like painting pictures of uh, the water. Um, you see um, all kinds of artistry and people actually they've brought out looms and they're weaving. This is like a center of art of, of all kinds. And um, as you approach the gallery, I mean, are you guys going to go in or like what's what's kind of your modus operandi? So we're looking for some way down into an ancient facility left by the Alil people. So we're looking for passages, methods that they've used to disguise the, the, the entries to their temples in the past. See, we've seen a tree that swivels covering a hatch, or I guess it was the hatch, covering a shaft down. What other, Have we seen any other ways that they've hidden... Their entrances underneath mountains. <laughs> that's, that's true. I guess we never got to see the entrance there or even at the Imperial facility near Calta. It had already been discovered and new entrances had already been established. We'll be on the lookout for something potentially hidden. Roos will pull Gigi out of his pocket and he'll uh, offer her a little treat and kind of send her to look around with him. As you guys um, walk into the the gallery, you can kind of see through the whole building because the inner wall that kind of um, separates this uh, this central courtyard area from the covered area is uh, it's an arcade. It's a colonnade, um, colonnade, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so you can actually see through the archways uh, pretty much all around the building. You can see that the walls all along it are decorated with paintings and tapestries and even like illuminated shields, that kind of thing, um, all along the walls. You can see that at each of the four corners of the gallery are um, little um, 
little step up daises, little stages, but they're made out of stone. And there's little stools that are just kind of sitting there. And you can see that at the far end, because you guys are coming in um, on the east side, at the far end in the northwest corner, you can actually see that there is somebody sitting on one of those stools and they are playing a harp. And you see as people are walking by looking at the artwork, some will stop and will listen to the music and um, just kind of, it's, it's a very peaceful place, even with all the different kind of musical musical pieces going on outside the building as well as inside the building um, you can actually it's there's something about the acoustics here where they don't clash they don't compete it's almost just like there's this gentle this gentle hum of harmonies in the background and in the center, you can see through, there is a grassy kind of rectangular um, courtyard. And you see that there are some statues. There are four statues at each corner. And in the center, there is this like stone plinth, uh, this kind of circular area that is kind of stepped up stone with a statue in the center of that, as well as um, four statues that are kind of surrounding it, looking at the central statue. Do those statues, how old do those statues look? in the center. Okay, why don't you go make an investigation check? Can I give the help action on that? Why don't you go ahead and give the help action and roll with advantage? Pine rolled a nat one. Okay, so Pine rolled an investigation. He rolled a one, but he was rolling with advantage because he had help. So why don't you roll it one more time, Pine? That's a four. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so here's what we'll say. As far as what you guys can figure out about the statues, since the help action was used, to go back and be like, well, now I'm going to check the statues. Yeah, that's a little bit, I don't know. Um, there's a reason why we do help actions and things. So as you were looking at the statues, it's hard to tell. I mean, um, some of the statues are covered, like they're surrounded by flowers. Um, so uh, for example, you notice there's a, a two statues of kind of warriors uh, in the corners. Um, one's in the kind of the northeast corner of the courtyard. The other one is in the southwest corner. And they are both gazing at each other across this courtyard and looking basically straight at that central statue that's on that um, circular stepped um, platform. And uh, they are both made out of white marble. Um, And then in the other corners, you have um, a statue of a woman um, who is gazing uh, at the center of the room, as well as a statue of a lion um, gazing at the center of the room, or center of the courtyard. Some of them are surrounded by flowers, some of them are surrounded by plants, some are bushes. And then um, as you look towards the center, you can see that those statues, uh, like the one in the center, as well as the four other ones that are kind of closer to it, uh, those ones are all like a dark, dark black marble or maybe an onyx of some kind, some kind of a dark stone. Um, And again, there is a central statue. And then the other four that are surrounding it are all looking at that central statue. Um, But how old are they? hard to tell well are they bird people um no none of them are bird people the statues in the center the ones that are made of black they look more demonic they look more like um almost like gargoyles or um or demons actually they're kind of similar in appearance to the statues of lord baltha only they're more sinister as opposed to playful the statues of lord baltha over at the uh, fantasy casino were a lot more playful you know, big smile, gold coins in his hand, that kind of thing. These ones are poised and crouched like they're ready to attack or protect or something like that. 
when you when you described that statue as impish, I immediately thought of those stickers on the backs of like trashy car windows that are just Calvin peeing on the uh, <laughs> the logo for a different car brand. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You guys are in here. You can see that there are some curators that are walking around. You can tell who they are because they have this um, this pendant around their neck uh, that has it looks like a, 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 a it's in the shape of like a palette, like an like a painter's palette. So it's kind of oblongy circle with like a hole in it for your thumb, um, but it's smaller and it hangs around their neck. So you can tell who the curators are here at the gallery. Okay. Um, well, Pine is going to uh, Pine is going to. Uh look for a corner that's not currently being used. Yeah, the only one that's currently being used is the um, is the northwest corner. Okay. Pine will go over to the other corner, the, the northeast corner. Okay. And he'll say, gather around everyone. Here's a limerick I wrote about the kinds of mustard I like on different kinds of meat. <laughs> <laughs> Make a performance check, because that's fantastic. <laughs> okay. Performance. I get a plus four on this. Nice. That's a seven. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that feel like perfect, though? <laughs> that is exactly what I would do. So far, I've rolled a one, a four, and a three. <laughs> there is one person who's like, oh, yes, I love mustard. And everyone else just kind of, just kind of ignores you and walks by. But there's one person who is just rapt attention. And he looks like the kind of person that would love mustard. <laughs> oh, yeah. In fact, there's a little bit of mustard on the collar of his shirt. <laughs> there's some mustard near his fly, too, which is weird. <laughs> I love mustard. All right. What's everybody else doing? Are you actually going to read that poem, that limerick again? <laughs> oh, no, I, I don't. I have to I'd have to look it up. I think Nari would kind of flag down one of those um, curators and just sort of ask them about the statues, ask them if they knew any history or, or, you know, who created them and all that good stuff. Yeah, I'd be with Nari probably. Okay. And then what's Roos doing? Roos is, is still interested in finding any sort of like cracks near the base of any of these statues, any sort of mechanisms. And so he he is like walking around them and having Gigi discreetly search for him. What I will have Roos do in a little bit is I'm going to have you roll investigation, but with disadvantage because we already did it. Um, everybody else has already looked at the statues. I know you're kind of looking for something different, but so I will allow it, but with disadvantage. That's fine. Um, Nari, you and Richter, um, there's a curator just walking walking by. You see this kind of middle-aged man. He's balding. Um, he's got kind of jowly cheeks and he's got this uh, he kind of one of those people who kind of like walks with their chin in the air, um, a little bit kind of on the on the balls of their feet, very snooty a little bit. Um, but he walks close to you. Pretentious. A little bit. Yeah. And he, he's walking, walking close to you. Excuse me, sir. Um, could you tell us about these statues? Oh, of, oh but of course. Um, which statues are you uh, are you referring to? These these fabulous white marble ones or these black ones here in the center? I mean, I would love to hear about both, but um, maybe let's start with the ones in the center. Okay. Give me a second. Let me pull something up. Do you like how I rhymed um, Fondo with Cubano? Yeah, <laughs> that's a real winner. <laughs> that one guy is vigorously clapping over there. <laughs> Sir, why do your pants look so uh, tight? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> 
here's the one I wrote about the man from Nantucket, but it's clean. And the guys are like, no, no, more mustard ones, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, he takes you, um, Nari and Richter, he takes you into the center area where these, there's five statues. There's one in the center. It's like slightly b- bigger. Um, and then there's these other four kind of black um dark stone uh, statues that are staring at that central figure. And they all, as you look, you realize that they are all uh, identical statues. The one in the center is just slightly bigger. Um, and the curator starts to tell you the story about the demon lord who um, rose up and uh, was trying to take over all of Pavantis. And these four demons around it at the other corners represent the four demons that actually um, stood up and fought back and actually fought against the demon in the center. They actually joined the world of the living or the world of, you know, the material plane, I guess you could say, and actually fought the demon in the center and banished it back to the abyss or wherever it came from. Um, so that is the story of those statues and the statues around, um, represent the different nations that also fought that demon. The curator is very quick to say, now I, there's no, of course, historical record as to whether this actually occurred. Many believe it's a myth or a, a legend, some kind of a, you know, an origin uh, story to help explain, uh, Rakolia's deep history. But that's what they represent. So the different areas of Rakolia are represented by these white statues in each of the four corners and um, the four demons who fought back against the demon lord. Of course, of course. It's just a story, but um, I, I am curious. These demon lords, do they have a reason for fighting against um, their brethren? Some say that they fought back because demons just instinctively fight. Others believed that um, maybe the demons fought against the demon lord for power. And some believe that should that demon lord have taken over, that um, actually taken over our world, Pavantis or um, Rakolia, that it would have um, it would have destroyed everything, including their own domain. So they fought back to preserve themselves. I, who can say? Who can say? Different stories, different authors will tell a different story. That's very fascinating. How how old are these statues? Has this been here since uh, just recently were these constructed or? Actually, I, I'm not sure. These are old. The gallery, and he kind of motions to the whole building. The gallery itself predates the Almerian Empire by hundreds of years. And you guys can see that this building is old. There's places where you can actually see like where like very expertly done, but patches and things have been placed upon the building to keep it, you know, to keep it up, to keep it, um, to keep it uh, standing. Cause it is a very, very old building. Architectural Viagra, if you will. <laughs> yes, exactly. And um, so he says, so the gallery is very old and these statues have been here in the center of the gallery. As far as anyone can remember, um, we do our best to, you know, to keep them clean and to keep the plants from growing up and over them, that kind of thing. We do mend them from time to time with some arcane arts to to keep them as as well defined as they were, hopefully, when they were first uh, chiseled out of stone. Yeah, as you can see, they, I mean, the ravages of time have taken some toll, but we've managed to keep them in pretty in pretty good repair. And you can see that, yeah, you can see, um, you know, you've seen statues that have just kind of like, 
been worn down over time by rain and storm and everything and like the the lines start to you know to kind of fade as as stone kind of um yeah whatever cracks and that kind of thing and these actually look like they're in in relatively good repair so to guess how old they were by looking at them you would probably not say they are thousands of years old or even hundreds of years old but what the curator is telling you is more than likely these are at least a thousand years old and one more question uh if you have a moment you said the the outer statues are representative of the the countries or the provinces that helped with this fight do you have a specific list of who they are? Oh, uh, that's been lost to time. That was this is this is a specific myth of Rakolia, of this section of Pavantis. And those four statues represent the four peoples of the four countries, the four, I don't know, tribes, I guess, that were here in the area that fought against the demon. I don't I I don't know that anything is known specifically about their names or their or even where they were in relation. I mean, it's, it's always just been assumed that, oh, this statue here, this woman here in the northwest corner, she represents the northwest section of Arcolia, and here in the southeast represents the southeast section of Arcolia, that sort of thing. Hmm, fascinating. No written histories on any of this? Oh, there are written histories, but it's all long after the fact. Uh, I think Richter is going to meander his way over to the like lion-esque kind of statue in the southeast corner of this inner courtyard. Okay. And I want to kind of investigate that area if I can. Yeah, um, let's jump over to Roos, who actually was investigating with Gigi. What did you get with your uh, investigation role with disadvantage? It's, it's only a 10, unfortunately. Gigi is flitting around from uh, statue to statue. And, you know, as she's looking around, people are seeing her going, oh, she's so cute. And then Gigi starts like kind of showing off, like showing off her bright blue tongue and kind of flitting around their heads. And so Gigi totally gets distracted and you kind of anyway, you, you can't uh, do any any real searching because Gigi has become very popular here at the gallery. Uh, Richter, you're heading over towards the southeast corner uh, of this courtyard where the um, lion statue. As you look at the lion statue, you can see there's some flowers in the front. There's also some like bushes around the back side of this um, of this statue. Yeah, and I kind of want to look around towards the bushes and see if there's anything back there. I'm going to have you do the same thing. I'm going to have you make investigation with disadvantage. Well, fine then. But does everybody have disadvantage because I said originally, I'm going to investigate the statues. You're like, that's it. That's the whole thing for, for everybody. Well, it wasn't just because you investigated with it's because you investigated with advantage because you had help. Oh, that's true. OK, so that's why everyone has disadvantages, because we already <laughs> we already gave you guys a chance to investigate. So, OK, what'd you end up getting, uh, Richter? So uh, I got a 15 with disadvantage. Disadvantage as you're looking around. Um, what I'll say is this statue, um, as you're looking around, it does seem like it is less taken care of. Um, like the the bushes behind it are more wild than the other plants are here in this courtyard. Um, it, it, you can't help but notice also that it's the only statue that is not a person, right? You've got these demons who have hands and feet and faces. You've got people, uh, two men and then a woman, and you got a lion. Um, so I think you get the impression there's something different about this statue, but you can't put your finger on what it might actually be. 
There's something different about this statue. Something animalistic, bestial. How's the pedestal look? We've we've seen that before. Looks very pedestally. <laughs> I have to think about this for a while. So you guys have, since you guys have been doing a lot of investigating, we'll say you guys have been here for quite some time now. Um, it's kind of uh, probably about an hour or so. Investigation is not a quick thing. So Pine is over there, like not 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 on the stool anymore. They're just kind of sitting there on the on the platform by the stool with this guy, and he's like, <laughs> he's, he's totally talking. So when my wife used to she used to do this where she would she would bread the chicken breast and then fry it up. We slice that up, eat it with mustard, but with honey and poppy seed in it. Mm. We call those chicken tendies. Tell me more about where you put the mustard. <laughs> <laughs> well anyway enjoy the recipe i'm gonna go see what my friends are up to thank you sir thank you (laughs) and then he runs home and he's like i gotta get home and try this as he runs out of the gallery guys that was the headsman i think (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty sure last time we described what the headsman is supposed to look like and that was definitely not the headsman This guy was, if you want to see, if you want to see the token of this guy, this guy was random man token. Like that was him. That's exactly what he looked like. At some point, everybody on the discord, we're going to put the random man token up on the discord for you guys to see. So you can see what we're talking about. This guy is great. I thought that guy was random neckbeard. (laughs) So Pine, yeah, Pine will walk over to the lion statue where they're, where they're poking around. Yeah. yeah. Is his mouth open? Um, yes, it looks like it's in the, uh, in the process of growling. Okay. I'm going to stick my hand in there. Um, you stick your hand in there and you feel the back of the throat. You realize that it does not go very deep. Okay. Look, look, it's going to eat me. <laughs> Good heavens, Timrid. Somebody paint a portrait. Oh no. This is hilarious. This is a serious investigation. <laughs> you see three artists instantly turn around and they're like, oh, yes, paint this. Oh, this man's being eaten. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just had the wildest conversation. I don't think it had anything to do with what we're looking for, but I changed someone's life today. <laughs> <laughs> Richter nods. Well, we over here learned some great history, and Nari will kind of share what they've learned about the statues. I'm not sure if that really singles any of them out, but this lion does appear to be a little sus, if you ask me. And there's different plants planted around each one. It looks like the others all have flowers around them or something. This one's just all bushes, right? Am I seeing that right? Yeah. Yeah, it looks, it looks like this one's a little bit less, uh, more unkempt. And, 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 you know, it very well may have been a decision to have the lion, which is a kind of a wild animal, have more of a wild um, look to its... Um, Bush. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that may very well be it. There's lots of possibilities. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, if this if these represent different different areas of Recolia, this may, may have been the, the wilder you know, quarter of, of the country. Um, maybe they were maybe more nomadic here where in the other places they were more established. Um, this could just, you know, signify wilderness danger. Roos made his way to the corner where Mr. Pine was. And now Gigi is doing tricks for an audience. (laughs) 
Why don't you make a performance check? <laughs> I got a four. Oh my god, Gene can't flop like that. No. She's a she's shy. We've established she's shy already. She is shy. Gigi is shy, but to be fair, I think it's less what Gigi's doing and more Roos trying to talk it up. Hey, come check out the skink. Check out my flying lizard. And everyone's like, uh, it's more Roos, like, not selling it. <laughs> Do you guys want to see my pocket lizard? Here, this <laughs> is my pocket lizard, everyone. <laughs> the guy comes running back. Pocket lizard? <laughs> the mustard guy. The curator comes over and he's like, sir, you can't show that here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that kind of art exhibit. All right. Well, as the as you guys are here at the gallery, kind of looking around, the sun is starting to uh, to kind of go down um, beneath the um, roofs of the of the building, and it's starting to get kind of dark in here. The curator is starting to go around and light candles um, around the area, um, but it is starting to get um, closer to night. It's probably dinner time, six o'clock or so. And I believe the show started at seven is what we'd said a couple episodes ago. So it is approaching time to go and see Tedward. Oh, we can't be late. Yeah, let's be about this. True, true. I feel like I feel like there's a I feel like there's a puzzle here that I'm just not seeing. Let's get a good night's rest and maybe come back tomorrow. Or we could go to Eudoxia. Or poor night's rest. Ted Ward, Ted Ward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sabrina, you make me smile. Well, very good. So are you going to go to the Opera House now? Um, there is a restaurant inside as well as a bar. Um, or you can get some food beforehand somewhere else. We might as well have the whole experience. Let's eat at the Opera House. Let's go. Okay. You guys travel back through the city, um, past um, the uh, Pious Path, past again the Temple of uh, Lord ja- Lord Baltha and Lady Jaffa, um, even past the Cathedral of Iramil, the massive, huge edifice in the center of the city, and you approach the Drasia Opera House. You can see that there is um, some people that are scrubbing the bricks out in front with like um, mops and brushes, trying to get the bloodstains out of the yellow brick that makes up the courtyard. Um, One thing I did not describe last time is that the courtyard um, has a fountain in the center of it. There's some uh, kind of planter boxes and some some lawn areas as well as uh, two large sphinx statues that face each other um, in front of this building. And as you approach the opera house, there are stairs that go up to the entrance to the, the double doors. And as you walk in and up the staircase, you approach the double doors and straight ahead, you again can see this front desk where there is a man in a fantasy tuxedo. Um, And then to your left, you can see there is a restaurant and to the right, you can see that there is a bar, uh, both of which are occupied by a lot of random men and women. The head usher, whoever is standing there behind the desk, um, he kind of smiles as you guys walk in. And he says, are you ready to take your seats or would you like a bite or a drink beforehand? Honestly, I'm really craving some chicken tendies. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Is Tedward on or is this just an opener? No, no, nobody's performing yet. The show won't start for another, um, not quite an hour. 
Oh, okay. Well, tendies are allowed then. <laughs> we will announce there will be bells before the performance starts. Fantastic. Here, I think we're gonna we're gonna take in a bite before we go. He kind of motions over to your left. Do we seat ourselves? Table for four? Oh, yes. If you just go seat yourselves, then the waiter will be with you very shortly. Wow, this is place isn't very fancy. <laughs> Grab your own seat? Come on. What is this? Applebee's? <laughs> you know, I've heard people these days just don't want to work. <laughs> Millennials. <laughs> Honestly, even... Even at a Denny's, they seat you. Yeah, all, all of the seats are open and they still seat you. As you walk in, you see that in the center of the dining room, there is a table for four. Um, you can hear quiet conversation going on around you. People saying, oh, this is my third time being here. I just I'm so excited to see Tedward. Um, you know, people just uh, there's one guy wearing a T-shirt. Woohoo, Tedward. <laughs> Not really. I'm kidding. This is a very, very fancy place. I'll have the hyper kebab. <laughs> <laughs> the chicken nuggies, please. Let me guess. It's a fantasy t-shirt with a blazer over it. In a fedora. <laughs> yes. Oh <my> gosh. <laughs> okay. Well, as you uh, as you were sitting there, the waiter comes and he uh, uh, he takes your order, um, uh, whatever you would like. Uh, there is very a very fine um, uh, wine list as well as um, as well as a very. Um, uh, elaborate, um, very, uh, elaborate's the wrong word. A very, the menu looks very good. <laughs> you know what I've been craving? And I, and I been, haven't been to a place that serves us in a long time. I'm craving a pork chop, roasted potatoes, carrots, and applesauce. It's very specific. Fine. Yes, you can, uh, you can have that. <laughs> Sorry, I was distracted. It reminds me of something Grandpa Don would have eaten, Paul. Yes, it will, 100%. And a Werther's original for dessert. Um, <laughs> I call those picker-uppers when I give them to my grandchildren when they're doing chores. <laughs> oh, Grandpa Don. Yeah, so whatever you order is fine. The waiter um, leaves, and then you know, within about 10, 15 minutes, your food is brought back out to you. You can get drinks as well. I'd say the whole meal costs you about five gold pieces per person. Oh, ooh, that is a nice meal. <laughs> um, you notice that Evangeline Lily is here for some reason. Um, <laughs> Multiple of her. <laughs> the token that I use for random, uh, random women um, here in the on the podcast is looks surprisingly like Evangeline Lily. Um, and every time she appears, um, Nari gets distracted. Um, yeah, so your food comes, and um, as you're sitting there eating your meal, is, if there's anything you guys want to talk about, that is fine. Uh, Roos, what is your passive perception? Uh, 22. Yeah. Wow. And Nari, too. Well, actually, no, just Roos. Just Roos. Hey, mine's 20. Yeah, but this, this wouldn't apply to you. Heck. Roos, as you are sitting there eating your meal. It's a Geishel green salad. <laughs> are you some kind of, isn't that a, isn't that a chocobo thing? <laughs> it is. A, chocobos eat Geishel greens. Yes, they do. As you are kind of eating your salad, listening to, uh, I don't know, um, the stories uh, that people are sharing, you kind of glance off to your right back towards the entry hall and you can see through the open doorway, you see a figure walk um, past and up to the front desk and then move off to the right, um, not into the bar, but more um, kind of going to find their seat. 
and it is somebody that you recognize very, very well. Uh, an older gentleman wearing um, a... Is it a blue coat? Is it one of those, is one of those old man <laughs> blue coat gang members? <laughs> no, this is even better. This is even better. Wearing tight pants um, and boots, as well as a sweater vest. Uh, his skin is actually covered in blue scales, and he looks very... Um, very well dressed, but not in a more in a Barastian style. Bruce, do you know who this is that you just saw walk past? Guys, an old friend of mine has just entered the building. Oh, really? Well, should we go and introduce ourselves or? Well, it might not go over well. Oh, is it that Farron boy? Oh, no, no, this is Teagish. He was my mentor when I worked for Howling Talon. Ah, uh, Howling Talon. I used the term friend very loosely. Bruce will pull out the envelope and slide it across the table to Mr. Pine and say, it seems I'm a wanted man again. I'll pull out the the the, the two papers. One was... Remind me, one was for Roos Laramir. Laramir? Laramir. One was for for Roos Laramir from Howling Talon, right? Yeah. Howling Talon was coming after you for not fulfilling a contract. Yes. And then the other one was basically King Tenor put out a hit on you as well. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so the one one from Howling Talon is, it's a contract for Howling Talon, but the contract was actually placed by Howling Talon. The other one is a contract for Howling Talon that was started by, it looks like King Tenor. Do you suppose he sent these to you? These look like, honestly, I don't think this is a threat. I think this is a warning to you. I do believe it's a warning. I don't feel close enough to Tigish for that sort of a relationship. I don't think this is something that he would do. And it makes me think that an, an old friend of mine, Farron, who I've mentioned, he might be here in town. If Tigish and Farron are both here and there's multiple contracts out for you, uh, maybe we, maybe it's best we um, disguise you. Here, let me help you. And I'll draw a knife from my pouch and go to start shaving your mustache off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Roos will say, no, 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 um, uh, Squ- Squire can take care of this. He'll, he'll use his makeup kit to make himself look a little bit, a little bit different. Excuse okay. me while you go powder your nose. Yes, I do need to powder <laughs> my nose for a moment. I also, since he's here, <laughs> I also think it best you don't um, go anywhere on your own for the time being. Always have backup. Well now, son, when you go to apply your makeup kit, just remember that you want to uh, use a lighter tone on top to accentuate the jaw bones or the, the cheekbones themselves. And a good, you can never do wrong by a good blush and a good foundation. <laughs> Off you go, lad. I do some really nice <laughs> contour work um, in the mornings. It's a, it's a little routine that I have. <laughs> We've noticed. <laughs> you know, a wonderful thing that you can do with a good light shade and a good dark shade, a real slimming aspect it can give to your features. <laughs> Richter, you are not at all what I anticipated. <laughs> I think Jordan has been watching too much TikTok. <laughs> well, a man's got to have hobbies, you know. 
Well, let's go find a seat. I collect rocks and write limericks. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, to each their own, right? Oh, my gosh. All right. As you guys are kind of talking and as, as you kind of go to uh, disguise yourself, um, as soon as you get back, you hear a ding, ding, a little bell. Not like a big, like, bong, like, um, like a church bell, but just like bells are being uh, are ringing throughout the, the restaurant, throughout the bar and throughout the opera house. Edward. Yeah, people start to um, finish up their meals and, you know, they take their fancy cloth napkins off their laps and set oh, them wow. on the table. Yeah, cloth napkins. Yeah, this is better than Denny's. <laughs> this wow. is better than Denny's. Yes. And um, they start to rise up and there. Everyone's kind of there's a little buzz of excitement. and Everyone's about to go take their seats to get ready to watch Tedward, the spooniest bard of all. Pine has that tingle in the back of his spine that I always get when, like, I'm waiting for my kids to find me playing hide and seek. <laughs> like, yes, that, exactly. that excitement <laughs> feeling. And you just got like shake a little bit, like, oh, they're going to find me. This is so fun. Yeah. <laughs> Closely related to like the pea shivers. I always purposely hide in the dumbest spots. Oh, not me. I, okay, real quick. I found the best spot to hide when you're playing hide and go seek at my house because my boys share a room and it's a trundle bed. So what I do is I pull out the younger ones because he sleeps on the young, on the on the lower bed. I pull it out. I roll under the bed and I pull it back in just a little bit to hide myself. And then I can fall asleep under there while they're looking for me. It's so comfy. I love playing games with my kids where I get to just lay down. Exactly. Exactly. As long as they're not also jumping on you. Oh no, honey, I'm lay I'm I'm playing with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. So, yeah, everyone seems to be um, going to go find their seats as uh, as you stand up from the from the uh, the table and you head back out into the entry hall. Um, the uh, the head usher is standing there um, and you guys have your tickets for the balcony. Um, as you present your tickets to the usher, he shows you um, down the hallway to the left. So instead of going into the main general admission, uh, he motions and tells you to go off the down the hallway to the left and then around the corner. And you guys are the first balcony um, that you come to. So you move down the hall um, and at the end of the as you come around the corner, kind of there's this hallway. You can see at the very end of the hallway, there is a door that you can imagine must lead back towards the um to the um uh, like the, st the stage the backstage area where the actors are the singers that kind of thing pine pine clocks that door <laughs> nari um does not go with you guys uh, she is trying to hit, hit on evangeline lily again always <laughs> hey Roos, do you think that Gigi could pick that lock on the back door maybe i'm sure she could you know um Pender's gonna be back there Mm hmm. I know, but I'm. If Farron's in town, then I don't know. Do you do you think Farron's in town? I just I don't know who else would have passed me these these contracts. Kind of a crappy time for an ex to come into town. Yeah. As you guys are sitting there and you are talking, suddenly. The lights all dim at the same time. And up on the stage, you hear this ring. And then you hear a voice call out, the young lass by the pond, <gasps> washing her long brown hair. She moves so gracefully in just her underwear. And then, in just her 
Bear. This is the one about peeping toms and sexual predation. <laughs> <laughs> and then out from behind the curtain steps Tedward in his red coat, his red beret, his blonde hair. You can not tell from this far, but you know that his, his little half cape is held um, around his neck by a little spoon-shaped pin. And he is playing a harp, and he steps out, lightly singing The Young Lass by the Pond. I will not sing it again, for I will not put our listeners through that misery again. There you go. You see that you guys are up on the balcony. Play Yaya Ding Dong! Yaya Ding Dong! Play Yaya Ding Dong! You guys are up on the in this balcony. Um, you can see that um, there are two balconies here on the west side of the building where you are. There are also two balconies across the way on the east side. And you can see uh, down below there are rows and rows of benches. There's a pit with a harp and a piano and a drum. And there are there are musicians down there, but none of them are playing right now as they are waiting for Tedward to finish his song um, that he is singing all by himself. And he goes on to talk about how, you know, he has to move a branch aside to adjust his pants and all that kind of thing that you may remember from, I don't know, episode 22, I think. Maybe 20. Yeah, episode 22, maybe. Anyway, long time ago. But this song is uh, sung again. And um, as you guys are sitting there... You can kind of look across the way, look down into the audience. Richter, I imagine you are keeping an eye open for a certain someone. Bartos, the... Oh, yeah. Richter isn't paying attention to Tedward at all. And it's hard because he... I mean, wow. it's Tedward. But he's able to... He is very focused on looking and scouring through the crowd to see if he can see anybody that might meet the, the description of Bartos. As you are looking around, I want you to make a uh, perception or an investigation check as Tedward continues on with the third verse. The young lass by the pond stands up and starts to dance. She twirls and she leaps upon the dew-soaked grass. My ears are turning red. All thought has left my head. My heart begins to buck. I can't believe my love. <laughs> and as he's singing, the difference this time is um, when you guys heard him in the bar, people were like singing along. This time it is quiet. People are just rapt attention. Every word he says, everyone is just paying super close attention. Richter, what did you get on your investigation check? I rolled a two to end up with a seven for my investigation roll. <laughs> Why don't so you, apparently uh, I couldn't pull my eyes away from Tedward. <laughs> Tedward is something else. Um, anybody else who wants to look around um, can do that as um, the show continues on. It's the voice of an angel. <laughs> the voice of a generation is what the sign said. Yeah. So Pine rolled an 18. A generation of angels. <laughs> Nari rolled a 12. She is so interested in Tedward. Roos got a 10. All right. As you guys are looking around, um, Roos, you um, kind of, I imagine you're also keeping your eye open for Tigish to see if you can spot him. And you, you can't, you, you've lost, it's, it's kind of dark in here. You know, the lights here in the main area are very, very low. Um, the lights on the stage are, are quite bright. As you are looking around the room, you hear the song end. 
the young lass by the pond, a memory of which I'm fond. But watch lest you get burned, the young lass by the pond. And then there is a clapping and a um, not like a hooting and hollering, but just like a very like people are standing up and applauding like you would at an opera. And they're all encore and bravo and all this kind of thing. And um, Pine, you look across the way and you see in the balcony straight across from you, you see three figures as you are kind of looking through, peering through this dark light, dark light, that's a oxymoron. As you are peering through this dark room, dark light, sounds like a spell. You hear uh, Tedward uh, announce, and now for my next piece, I shall bring forth an associate of mine who has been my companion for these last few years. Pender, please. And you see a figure come out onto the stage, and it is Pender, wearing more clothes than... Well, I guess you say I saw him at the party, too. Anyway, it's Pender. He comes stepping out. He is dressed eh, kind of similarly, a little bit different color to his clothing. Um, and he, um, he, too, has a harp. And they start to sing a song. The leaves are falling to the ground as tides when sky is still. Long are gone the summer songs, the night is chill. Beneath our feet her ground awakes, her silent slumber sees. the way at the balcony across from you um, you see a figure a an older man he has uh, kind of dark brown skin he's got black hair his skin has been it looks you know you see some age spots on there he is dressed very nicely he definitely fits kind of the description that you had heard of Bartos. you also see that uh, standing uh, or sitting next to him, you see there's a, cu a couple of other figures and they are um, wearing robes of some kind. They look like they are, they're nice robes and stuff, but not nearly as nice as, as, uh, as Bartos would be wearing. What was your perception again? It was an 18. That's all you notice. It appears that Bartos might be in the balcony across from you and he is not alone. So uh, Pine will nudge uh, Richter and say, look straight across the balcony across the way. I guess it would make sense that he'd be a big spender like us. Very important person, you know. Hmm. But uh, is that him over there? Yeah, that might, that might be him. Um, Richter, as you look across the way, it's kind of hard to tell because it is some distance. This is a very large open room and the light, even with your guys' dark vision, is quite uh, dim, but... He definitely fits the description um, of Bartos, the headsman, the head of the first swords. As you two are looking at him, Pender and Tedward finish their song.
And as Tedward steps forward to begin another song, you both who are looking at Bartaz, you see him turn his head and look straight across at the two of you. And throw up devil horns. You're pretty sure from this distance you see him smile as his two associates stand up and throw back their hoods, point their hands in your direction, and we are going to stop there for tonight. Oh, jeez. Oh, crap. I was expecting an octopus in the rafters. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, thank you for playing. We finally made it back to Tedward. I think after, you know, like 60 episodes. Yes. I literally can't believe someone would interrupt Tedward's performance. <laughs> <laughs> and this feels like a crime. Like, where's that City Watch guy? Um, yeah, Garibald. Okay, Garibald so, who hey. works for the headsman. <laughs> yes, he does. Oh, he's running. I'm pretty sure he's like, you know what? I'm going to run. I'm just going to run. Well, hey, thank you guys for listening. And thank you guys for playing. I have really been enjoying um, this campaign so much. It's been so fun. Uh, if you like what we're doing, check out our Patreon. You can actually see a map as well as kind of a perspective picture of what the Dercia Opera House looks like. And you might even notice some of the paintings. I think you can see the paintings in one of the pictures, what the paintings are that are on the wall behind the front desk of the Dercia Opera House. Also, don't forget to check us out on Discord. Go check out our shop, get some dodecadork drip. And until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time. <laughs>